welcome to the latest episode of Nudges for Social Good, the LGA's podcast on behaviour change. My name is Rian Gladman and I manage the LGA support to council behaviour change projects across the country. So the aim of this podcast is to demystify this subject and to help you councillors and officers who are listening to it to set up your own behavioural insights projects and approaches to address your biggest challenges locally. So today I'm joined by Ruth Little from North Yorkshire County Council. Hi Ruth, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Ruth, thanks so much for being with us today, virtually of course. Um, you're the first guest we've had on the podcast via Teams, so, so thank you for that. I understand today you're going to talk to us about a behavioural insights project that you've been running in North Yorkshire throughout this Covid time, so obviously very relevant to other councils across the country and there'll be lots of learning that that they can they can obviously take forward in their own local places so Ruth I just wanted to start by asking uh, what's your role with the council? Okay so I am uh, the school readiness coordinator for North Yorkshire County Council so at the moment we're running a, a variety of pilot activities based around uh, raising um, Good level of development around speech language and communication uh, so i'm coordinating that pilot work um, currently excellent great stuff busy times busy times no doubt um as it is for everyone in local government so can just to start off i think it'd be really useful if you could explain in your words from from start to finish your behavioral insights project uh, and then we'll sort of get into a discussion and I can ask follow up questions and, and unpick anything that we want to go into more detail with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, OK, so so initially uh, when we uh, entered onto the LGA BI programme, um, we were looking at um, school readiness, obviously, as an area that we'd like to, in, to look at using BI and a BI approach to. Um, so. Obviously, that work began at the beginning of the year. Um, we did identify a provider for that work, which was the Behavioural Insights Team. Um, and as we were having some initial discussions about what that piece of work was going to look like, um, the situation in the country changed dramatically. Um, and obviously, the pandemic struck and we went into lockdown. And that was just as we were having these development discussions with the Behavioural Insights team. Um, and at that point, um, we had a bit of a shift in our conversations and actually began to think about, um, to respond to the COVID-19 crisis, whether we could redirect um, the sort of focus of the project to supporting with our coronavirus response in North Yorkshire. Um, obviously, we discussed that with the Behavioural Insights team and we discussed it with um, yourselves at the LGA and we're all sort of in mutual agreement that actually um, you know being responsive to what was happening um, it was a good um, approach to, to redirect and to focus on something that was going to support um, our approach in North Yorkshire uh, as to what was happening. Mm -hmm. So following that initial decision of making that step into switching the focus of the, um, the work uh, we had we pulled together a project group. Um, so the project group that we established initially for the school readiness work needed to change slightly in its composition. And we um, we formed a project group from across the Scottish County Council with representatives from our strategy and performance team, 
from public health and our communications team. Um, and I continued to lead on the project because I'd obviously, um, you know, started off with the project and was familiar with um, the format. So I stayed in place as the project lead, um, but we had, um, you know, a good mix of relevant people from the council involved in the project group. And through that, we did do a lot of consultation as well with our HR team and also our stronger community team. Um, during that, even though they didn't sit on the actual project group, um, they, they were very, very much involved in the discussion around that. I think um, initially, because obviously with the pandemic, everywhere, everybody in the council was affected by that. Um, so the key stakeholders in that process um, could, could have been vast. You know, there was lots and lots of people who were doing lots and lots of work around the response. Um, so actually for us, it worked better to have a really focused little team of um, yeah. people that were going to keep the focus on the VI work, but also be really effective at cascading that to make sure that it wasn't uh, lost within the wider work that was happening um, and that everybody was informed. So, so in order to sort of decide what we were going to do in terms of the VI work, um, we had a number of um, exploratory discussions supported by the Table Insights team about what were the key issues that we were seeing in North Yorkshire and identifying what behaviours that we wanted to um, either encourage or change. Um, and we, we, we started off with a very, very long list of what that could be. I can imagine, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> um, this actually was the time where everybody was out in the shops panic buying, you know, mm. it was quite near the beginning when things were feeling quite crazy in the world. So, um, but through that process of just toning that down and really focusing on um, what was going to be the best course of action for North Yorkshire, um, we ended up with two themes primarily, which were the community, so um, really mobilising our communities to support each other, um, doing a favour for a neighbour and those sorts of things. Um, and also on the other side, having a focus on staff wellbeing, particularly around um, people who were suddenly working from home, many of those who were also juggling that with um, homeschooling children and actually um, looking at what we could use from the behavioural insights work to support those sort of two key areas. Um, so if so, I can just, sorry, so, yeah. so if I just jump in there really, sorry, so just to make that really clear to people listening. So the original project you were looking at encouraging school readiness in the local, you know, family populations, and then you, Corona hits, and then the pivot is that you look to these two areas of trying to encourage the behaviour of the community supporting each other, and also the behaviour around staff well-being in working in these very new ways at a very difficult time. Um, so, but you had a long list. So, how were those two particular areas um, identified as being the key priorities? I think I think what we wanted to do is we didn't want just to be caught up in the short-sightedness of what was happening at that time, mm -hmm. and actually we wanted to use something that would outlive the pandemic that actually um you know actually those areas of encouraging communities to um support each other and also in 
encouraging our staff as a more agile working mm -hmm. actually those have longevity as council lanes anyway however you know obviously um the time scales on a lot of that was um pushed up because of the pandemic and people suddenly were pushed into that position but actually for us those were two key things that um it we wouldn't just um lose the use of after the pandemic is over even though we don't know when that is going to be um so and also i think that um the impact particularly around the well-being of staff um, you know that was one of our has always been one of our key priorities really in yeah. the council yeah. and it felt like that you know that was a very very good use of um the funding that we have and you know the expertise that we had in terms of behavioral insights so the the two areas the council would be looking to work on anyway um despite covid covid has obviously brought them into greater uh, focus. So yeah, you would you wanted as a council to be working to to encourage that community activity and volunteering and building that capacity with the community to help each other anyway. And also you were looking at more agile ways of how staff can work in different ways and transform services uh, to be more responsive to the community. And so these two things actually you see going beyond COVID anyway and being being things you wanted to work on and I guess what you learn from this you can bring back to the school readiness stuff when that all you know gets back to the sort of new normal whatever that may look like. Yes and I think that for us um, despite the actual focus of the project there's always been a huge element um, in the ambition for this project that this is the beginning of the story for North Yorkshire and behavioural insights work that actually we we do want to learn. We want to learn about the approach. We want to learn um, how to embed that in other aspects. So absolutely, you know, the learning that we've had from the COVID project certainly can be fed into the work we're doing about school readiness, um, you know, other elements of work because actually um, part of the piece of work that we wanted to work with it on was that um, upskilling of our own workforce around behavioural insights um, so that yes that approach can um, continue once this piece of work is completed. So you've got your two areas I guess the next stage in the story with a behavioural insights project is that then you will go and and um, yeah, gain insights and gain understanding and observe the behaviours in the local community or with your stakeholders or with your staff, you know, of the behaviour you want to change. And traditionally we would have gone out and run focus groups or, you know, gone and observed. I know with the school readiness stuff that you may have been working with health visitors in people's homes, you know, that all COVID hits and that all completely changes as an approach. So, so how have you done that behavioural insights, uh, kind of gathering and understanding of, of the behaviour? Yeah, I mean, the, um, what we did have running um, in Nodrichshire for the pandemic was various different work streams that were really focusing in on certain aspects. So we did have a um, staff wellbeing group that was made up of um, people from HR, public health, you know, that were really having a focus on um, what was happening and what support staff may need. And, and we also on the other side had a community focus group which we're looking at setting up um, for groups within the community to assist so actually we we really pulled on that wealth of knowledge 
be people, um, you know, with a lot of expertise in those groups to um, report back about what they were finding, what were what were their key themes that they were seeing through the work they were doing, um, and actually incorporating that to make sure that we were in, we were incorporating that in the work that we were doing around the behavioural insights. No, it's like just just for you know for those listening, I guess who will be looking at how do you engage with the community virtually uh, for all sorts of other things they might be wanting to do on on test and trace and local outbreak management, all sorts of other things they might be looking to do. I just so so how did that work virtually? Those you know with staff wellbeing group and the community groups as well. I mean, I think um, obviously um, our comms team were involved in the project, and again, we're absolute key links in this that they were using social media platforms um, and the information that was going out um, on there and then also gathering those key themes that were coming up as responses to the things that we were putting out um, and re really feeding that back into the project. I mean, the pace at which these things evolved in those early discussions was um, literally week by week. The themes were changing as to yep. what was happening in the country and what we were being told and and actually that was a real pressure because one week we could be thinking actually you know this is a really key thing that is coming into the council at this time and, and then the next week and another announcement had come out and things had completely changed and the response had changed that. So it was really really tricky and one of the massive challenges of this project that we were dealing with something that was changing so frequently um, and for me as a project manager it was always an anxiety that we were going to miss the boat on something because there did have to be a point where we said okay this is it this is our focus and we're going to go with it but then we yeah. didn't really know by the time we'd actually done that piece of work if things would look the same or whether that would be relevant anymore so mm. that that was one of the pressures um, and why and I think again this is why we tried to really choose things that would have impact um, regardless of whether things would slightly change now. Okay. Yeah. So so yeah it was it, it was a challenge um, and obviously the traditional methods from the table insight team about going out and asking those questions in community you know just wasn't um, possible so it was really drawing into the key things that were being fed into those people work um yeah um so fairly untraditional um but but in some ways we just had a massive amount of response i think because of the information flooding in there was so much information that actually that was quite rich um that we could really identify if you were speaking, you were being repeated over and over again. Um, that's quite a big basis to build that on, really. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't know if that's fully answered. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess it's it's a, like, I think the use of the word untraditional, really important there. Um, and actually doing this engagement activity in a completely different way forced to you know it was forced to by the restrictions on us um and actually you've ended up with a richer insight and more 
kind of information coming back in potentially than if you had done it in those more traditional ways so so whilst you know you were saying you these two challenges are things the council were looking to do anyway and work on and will do in the longer term could this more uh you know virtual communication and virtual engagement of people to understand behaviors could be something that you take board as a council um you know into the future as well so so what were the kind of insights that you were getting back what were the things that you were learning um before you set up your intervention? I mean, I think in terms of the communities, I think the things that we were learning was um, there had been a huge change in people's attitudes towards um, community action, volunteering, actually going out there and helping people in need. You really know, and yeah. actually for, for us, that was something that we absolutely wanted to capitalise on. Um, and we wanted that to continue after the initial, um, you know, surge of um, changes of uh, attitudes at the beginning of the pandemic. So, so you know, I think, which again, in some ways, um, has been a real challenge for us in terms of evaluation, because there was a bit of a surge in change of behaviour and attitudes anyway, um, that was due to the pandemic and the change of things in the, the, the country. Um, so, so yes, it certainly um, there was a, a willingness there, and communities getting out there and pulling together. Um, that it was about nurturing that, and you know, really, really pushing that forward. Um, yeah. So, and then um, on the staff well-being side of things, um, we were very conscious of um, isolation. You know, people. Um, feeling disconnected from teams, from, you know, um, that sort of um, support from, you know, colleagues and managers. Um, obviously, uh, huge amounts of anxiety from staff around the juggling working with children yeah. at home, um, you know, and the fact that there possibly needed to be more flexibility in um, in that to make that work for parents um so, so lots of anxiety around that um and and also um in terms of the staff well-being i think um it was just having the ability to access support um whereas traditionally if there was um having an if you were having an issue you may just speak to a colleague in the office or yeah. you know, just have a quick word with your manager because that sort of net has been slightly taken away it was about how can staff can access that well-being support um when they're out of that office environment i think was one of the areas that was key for us to look at really important um, really important can i can i ask there Ruth as well i mean something that's been we've been picking up um, at the LGA with with other council. I wonder if this has been the case in North Yorkshire. Was so you've got people that might have joined the council really recently, either be just before the pandemic or within you know the lockdown period may have started work at the council, and also that cohort of people who may be really uh, new to you know new in their career, uh, maybe younger people or people who've switched from private sector to working in the council, so they're new within their career in North Yorkshire. Were you picking up things from those groups around, you know, not having the access to informal networking opportunities, the mentoring opportunities, the 
seeing others doing their work in the office and, and learning through osmosis, really. I wonder, did any of that stuff come out through your staff wellbeing insight gathering? Um, I mean, to be honest, for this particular project, um, we didn't have that as a particular insight. I think probably because a lot of the work on this happened so quickly near the beginning yeah. of the pandemic that actually that that has certainly been something that has come into into play during the next few months but because right, the okay. work happened very quickly at the beginning of the pandemic it wasn't necessarily something that hit right right on, right on the agenda there however as we've gone along um you know and as new staff have been recruited and started those issues yeah. around how do you do an induction and how do you make people feel part of a team and part of North Yorkshire? Um, you know, you know that that is again a challenge. But actually what we've got as an output from the project, they're lessons that can be applied to other things. And actually as we develop um, the core learning that we've had from the project, as we say, can be applied to a range of different scenarios. Um, so, um, so yeah, I think um, the os osmosis of that sort of approach, um, you know, is going out into the sort of general consciousness um, for all of those other issues that essentially come yeah. along the way. That's so. That's interesting because you were doing it, doing your insight gathering very quickly, right at the start of you know this new way of working of lockdown. But then you've started to see that pattern emerge as we've gone through and more people have come in into the council to work or yeah that, or change teams or things like that you know there's been churn hasn't there as well as people have moved to different parts of the response uh, and then on to recovery as well so so that, that that's that's really helpful I just wanted to sort of to check in with that with you um so you so you've gone out you, you've selected your two areas of two behaviors you want to focus on pivoting from the school readiness projects really quickly uh, you've engaged stakeholders across the council, you've engaged your staff engagement group and your, your community groups virtually. All this flood of insight has come in, you're, you're drowning in all this stuff, which is great. But but then can you describe to me how did you get to your interventions and what were those behavioural change interventions that you you trialled? Yeah, so again, we, we, um, we had a lot of discussion about what format this intervention would take. Um, and we took obviously a lot of guidance from behavioural insights about you know what would work you know what would be the mediums and we discussed potentially having a text messaging system that could go out to staff you know sending out these messages um, obviously we had lots of social media um, both external and internal um, that we can use as channels we also had um, you know our senior management team who were um, sending out very regular communications. I think we looked at so many different communication channels that were happening um, and um, thought that actually what would be really, really useful for us is to have something that would work for multiple communication channels rather than just yeah. say, yes, we're going to do text messages and be sort of assigned to that medium actually having this layer up of these are some resources that we can use across um, different communications channels and then that could go across the board really 
of all the different activities that we're having. Um, I will say as well, um, what we did have in mind when we were talking about that was um, data governance. Yeah, um, really important. Yeah, it was really, say more really about that, please. Yeah, I mean, I think it was really important for us because we were up against such a tight time scale mm -hmm. that we couldn't afford to have any issues or blockers in terms of data governance. So if we're thinking about sending out text messages to all staff, you know, not all staff have a work mobile. I was yeah. thinking about using home mobiles. Actually, we probably need to go through data governance like that. And all of those things were just going to hold up. Um, so, which again, I think why we chose to go down the broader route of being a resource could be used in different ways. That we could use it for um, or we could use it for, um, you know, social media. And actually, also the behavioural insights team to give us some guidance around how you might adapt things for different mediums. Um, to make it a really, really usable resource that um, could work across the council, you know, and could fit a lot of different purposes. So, so yeah, the GDPR thing did have a major impact because, um, as I say, we just didn't have the time really to go through a long, long piece of work to sort out any data government issues with that. So, um, so yeah. Um, how we ended up with um, basically a message bank. So a set of different messages based around different themes, linked to the two major themes, um, and actually um, looking at different types of behaviour messages that can be used in those scenarios. So, um, so we agreed on a bank of um, 50 messages for each communities and staff wellbeing um, that could be there just to be used by the multiple people who were um, sort of involved in those wider work streams and particularly for our comms team to use as a resource to weave through the wider comms um, for those work streams. Can you share an example of a sort of message that would go through the, the message bank and come out the other end sort of behavioural if that's even a term, I don't know, but um, making things up here. Uh, yeah, so if you could give us, share, us an ex uh, share an example of that, please, that would be great. So the quote here, so one of the behavioural insights messages here that I've got is, um, this week, we're thinking of all the parents at North Yorkshire County Council who are balancing working from home with childcare. Thank you for doing your job in really challenging circumstances. If there was one piece of advice that you could give to a parent in a similar situation, what would it be? Submit ideas here and we'll share them with other Northwich County Council parents on the internet next week. Okay, so that's a sample, well, that's one of the messages in the message bank. And, and actually the behavioural science, the table insights that sit behind that is it's creating a sense of community through storytelling amongst parents that can build resilience. So that's the behavioural insight behind that type of message. And actually, these messages were used um, for one of our communications campaign, our internal communications campaign called Home But Not Alone, which was actually, um, you know, focusing on that community of North Yorkshire County Council staff who were at home and um, consisted of some sort of um, 
sure case studies about you know how people were adapting to online learning. So these behavioural insights messages were um, taken and adapted for that campaign um, that was then available. And actually, the the nudge there was to access the um, staff wellbeing resources, which um, had been had been named hashtag AskCal. Um, so that hashtag has stayed with um, those sort of messages that direct people to accessing the wellbeing resources, which is on our intranet. So it's it was hashtag AskCal, um, and I guess what why that's really powerful is it's just yeah exactly you're not alone it's the social norm stuff isn't it actually we're a lot of us at the council are struggling uh to homeschool kids it's not just me um and there's also something in helping your peers and actually learning from your peer um and someone who's in the same position as you uh that they're really strong sort of um behavioral nudges aren't they as well so so yeah that that's a really good example thank you for that is were there any examples on the community engagement side you'd like to share yeah okay so there's um a message here on the bank so which is can you think of a time when you were having a bad day and a small act of kindness made it better maybe someone in the street smiled at you or a friend gave you a surprise phone call Seemingly small acts make a huge difference, especially during these difficult times. What small act of kindness can you do for someone today? The behavioural technique used here is evoking reciprocity and can make people more likely to perform altruistic behaviour. Spot on, good stuff, good stuff. So was that delivered through, it's quite a long message, isn't it? Something in that wasn't on Twitter. No, no. Um, I mean, the... Some of the um, behavioural insights messages that are on the bank, you know, um, are quite long for different mediums. And part of um, what the part of the project was, the behavioural insights team did um, have a session with our comms team to talk about how they could adapt those different messages for different mediums, such as if it was going out on Facebook. The, the um, communities, uh, the volunteers week campaign contained a lot of the behavioural insights um, messages and weren't necessarily in that full form but as I say the behavioural insights team supported our comms team to adapt those so they can be delivered um, in a, in that um, different way uh, yeah. really. and yeah. some of the messages were shorter than others so some of the messages were not um, appropriate for um, you know different uh, different uh, mediums of communication good stuff, good stuff i think and it's good for us at the lj to understand that the long-term sustainability of this work in north yorkshire because you know you've you've had your comms team trained up in how to adapt these messages now so they can undertake that work going forward um you've got the message bank there with your messages and in perpetuity like that's there that's yours uh, and also we we would encourage other councils to to take a look at that and we'll share the links to that on our um, Behavioural Insights webpage, which I will give uh, the link to at the end of the podcast. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, so yeah, it's this on long-term sustainability, it's really important that this stuff can carry on. It won't just stop at the end of this project and at the end of this funding for the Behavioural Insights team, it will continue to grow and you can continue to adapt those messages to other, other services and other behaviour you want to sort of affect locally as well. 
Mm. Excellent stuff. It, I mean, again, you might, this is sort of off the top of my head, a big behaviour we want to change within the community is around you know, test and trace and adherence to the COVID regulations and, and shielding was a big thing, check up on your neighbours. So was have you used the messages in, in those sort of instances as well, or, or has it been more generic around help out your neighbours rather than the COVID regulations as such? Yeah, well, interestingly, we did we did have a conversation very early on about what route we wanted to go down on that, really. Um, and at that time, at the very beginning of the lockdown, there was a huge amount of messages from central government going out with those, you know, um, very strong messages around the, the restrictions, etc. Um, and we we thought that we didn't want to overload because there was so much of that out there yeah. that people would just get fatigued with it. So actually, that's one of the reasons why we chose to go down this slightly different um, focus on that because we we discussed in the project group because there was such a wealth of information out there um, just at that particular time, you know, and I think the whole nation was glued to their devices and TVs looking for the next update, you know, so it was yeah. very, very visible. Um, we, we thought that, you know, to do something slightly um, different from that, that wasn't already being done from a national perspective, um, would be um, a better use of um, this funding and projects mm -hmm. um, but we, we definitely did consider that um, you know and was discussed in quite um, detail really at, yeah. at the beginning about where we would get that balance and what that would look like. It makes complete sense makes complete sense and it might be you come back to it later on for local outbreak management and stuff, you might come back to it um, to, to for your own sort of local messaging at a later date. So no, that makes complete sense. So so what was the impact of your in interventions? What were the results? Um, well, I'd say we we've at the stage where we've got some initial um, results that have come in. If I just scroll down, so as I mentioned at the beginning, it was really hard to take any baseline um, measurements here. This when we start, things have already started to change anyway. Um, so we we have looked at the range of different ways of actually doing that. Um, in terms of um, the community side of it, um, some results that we've just had back this week actually, um, it was from our um, North Yorkshire Views survey, which we're using as an evaluation tool. The current situation is um, 50, 52% of um, respondents from the public in North Yorkshire say that they formally volunteer once a week. Um, and the comparison to that in North Yorkshire from 2018, the last time that this um, question was asked, uh, the figure there was 42%. So that's a 10% increase that we've had on people actively volunteering. Um, and comparing that to a national figure as well from um, 2019-20, there was 23% nationally who responded that they formally volunteer once a month. Um, so those are the figures that we're coming up with in terms of formal volunteering. On the other side of that, as I mentioned a few times, that favour for a neighbour theme of the more informal yeah. volunteering. Yeah. So the, the results that we've got here were, at the moment, um, currently we've got 
45% of our respondents saying that they have um, done informal volunteering within um, the last month. And the comparison for that is the national figures, 2019-20 um, are 28%. So again, we're considerably higher in North Yorkshire with that. And the only other extra sort of bit on that really um, is during the lockdown, we did ask questions specifically during the lockdown. Yeah. Um, and during the lockdown, we did have 57% um, of respondents who have volunteered during the lockdown with an additional 3% who have did volunteer but were not needed. So that's 60%. So, so actually during that period of the lockdown, um, uh, the figures were even higher. Um, yeah. That's due to volunteering. Um, as I say, these are these results are fairly new in, and there are some. Um, it was quite a comprehensive survey that was done with our community, so it potentially is some um, other bits of pieces in there. But when we've done a bit more analysis, uh, we can draw on what those resources yeah. um, from you know the the initial sort of feeling of what we're seeing. So um, so yeah, significantly higher than um, previous previous responses in other years and also very high very significant higher national figures just yeah. so um so we obviously have seen a behaviour towards volunteering in North Yorkshire. Um, so so yeah. Great results, great results. Yeah. I think yeah it's like you say how how do you harness that going forwards? Um and yeah, that that sort of uptick in that local goodwill and 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 build that capacity going forward. Um, I think it, it's just really really important. So that's your sort of quantitative data, isn't it? I wonder if have you had any <clears throat> excuse me anything more qualitative feedback to the messaging or you know are your comms team picking up anything in terms of click through rates on the website or you know more people signing up to the Twitter account? Yeah, have you, have, is there any other? stats around the qualitative side and also the the feedback from the your comms team for example so the comms team have said that where where they use the social norms approach which is part of the bi messaging um of highlighting that 86 percent of people had um and had help from a neighbor during the pandemic the people commented to highlight their own examples of how the positive the community response has been and um, so there was lots and lots of community engagement from those messages where they use the behavioural insights um, to sort of uh, do the social norms approach, that there was a really high level of engagement from um, the public with those posts. Um, so, so yeah, a very positive response um, from our comms, feedback from our comms team on that one. So where people are asked to actually share their experiences and share what they've done, that those behavioural uh, techniques really help to elicit that response from people in a way that your comms team hadn't seen with previous campaigns potentially. Yeah, yeah, and that sort of real buy-in and engagement from mm -hmm. um, the community um, in sort of relating to those messages. Yeah. That actually, yes, I've got something to share because this is my experience. So, um, so yeah, really um, noticeable re response to the yeah. that campaign that was done. Um, in just to add as well at that point, um, actually, there is a follow up um, 
campaign that's going on at the moment, which they are also drawing on the message bank for. Um, so, so again, there's going to be um, a, a follow-up campaign to reinforce those messages um, as well, using the behaviour insights. So, it, it's not that we've just used them for one particular campaign and that's it. Again, it's that whole idea of this is a usable document and this is something that's going to inform practice, you know, in the long term. Yeah. That was my my next question was going to be really what are the, how are you going to take these results forward? What are the next steps for the projects? Yeah. Um, so in terms of next steps, uh, obviously we are uh, there is going to be an evaluation. So we are going to um, you know pull together the, the figures alongside the anecdotal evidence there to actually present you know a, a good evaluation as um, the project. Um, I think that um, we have done we've done a massive amount of learning that we've had internally from the behavioural insights team in terms of upskilling us, um, and I think that there's um, there is a strategy that is developing around embedding behavioural insights into the wider um, of work of the council, um, and and yeah, I think. Um, just making sure that we don't lose this, that once the evaluation is done and the project is done, that it just doesn't get put to the side and forgotten about, that actually this is just a continual approach of embedding it. And, you know, actually um, we've seen that this is a good approach and it works and actually looking for different opportunities where we can use that approach. Um, there has been some examples um, that uh, we've certainly looked at using a behavioural insights approach to some of the work with our library. Um, so we have uh, used that learning uh, into um, an approach. So the library, particularly around school readiness, because obviously I've had a lot of learning from this and then yeah. looking at my own project and trying to, um, you know, in, embed that in my own project. We have had some, um, we've been looking at some fostering um, campaigns that we're looking at that we're wanting to look at embedding some behavioural insights into. So there are lots and lots of different avenues where we can look at rolling out the approach. Um, and as I say, it's more that we just don't want this to be finished and then that's the it. You know, it is just the start of the development in North Carolina yeah. for this work. I think I think a key win for you guys was really was involving all those stakeholders really early on comms team involvement, you know, skilling them up, bringing um, that additional capacity from the Behavioural Insights team in to train them up on the messages so they feel confident using them. And you want it to become the way that the council communicates really, um, is, is in that style, whilst obviously doing regular evaluation and checking the impact of, of that those communications and those campaigns as well. So, so really, really interesting, Ruth. I mean, like, if I was sitting in a council now, what, what are the top three tips you would give me if I was going to uh, implement a similar intervention on staff wellbeing, uh, community, encouraging community engagement? What are the three top tips you would you would give me? Yeah, well, actually, that leads me quite nicely into my top tips, because um, one of my top tips was to communicate really effectively with the senior leadership and stakeholders involved in this be very very um open and um communicative about what you're doing um, then it just doesn't end up being 
just a little project that somebody's doing that is connected to everything else. So actually that that communication is really, really key. And I won't take um, you know, complete uh credit for that. I think it worked really, really well in this um COVID project, but we I had really good support from my senior management um who were very um good at facilitating that higher level communication. Um so had really, really good support and also really, really good support from our public health team who again were really key in pulling that together, making sure that um everybody could see the link between the behavioural insights work and everything else that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um so so that felt like um that was an absolutely major part of why this worked so well. Um mm. you know, and just didn't become tokenistic. Um, and put at a really busy good. time at such a busy time with everything else yeah. going on and you should take some credit Ruth because you've worked really hard so you should take some credit so don't be modest on that um you've put a lot of a lot of effort into this so um so yeah it doesn't just happen by accident thank you yeah but I certainly do not feel like I've worked in isolation you know I really really have had a great team you know of people that I probably haven't really ever met before that just very very quickly pulled together you know, and made it happen. So, you know, they might my, my little project team I wouldn't um praise them more really. And um so yeah, and obviously behavioural insights team as well, really, really key in that that just um being a really good sounding board and being a really good source of knowledge as to how we could make things work and you know, and it was just drawing all that together and then making sure that that was really well communicated. Um you know, throughout um, the council. Um, second topic, again, I've talked about this already. Yes, one of my it's good to bring that into down the final list. <laughs> with the data governance. Um, yeah. You know, get your data governance representative there right at the start. So when you're coming up with all these wonderful ideas of where the project might go, you've got somebody who can be the voice of reason saying, well, actually, yeah, we can do that, but if we do that, then we're going to have to do X, Y, and Z. Um, which means that you know um, you can keep pace up on the project and you don't go down the route of doing lots and lots of work um, from one uh, with one aim in mind and end up hitting a brick wall where you can't actually progress any further. Um, so, so yes, do get your data governance people involved um, straight away. As I say, we that we deliberately chose something that we knew weren't wasn't going to have data governance barriers yeah. uh, for this project. So important, so important to get your data governance person in the room early. So important. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad you've highlighted that key tip. Yeah, and actually, you know, that was, um, you know, good advice from yourselves as well. Because remember, you know, that that was something that we were advised to do, and I can see that, you know, um, why that is really, really necessary. Um, and yeah, so that was my second top tip, and. And again, my third topic really is to, to trust your provider. Um, and what I mean by that is, I think, the, I think with behavioural insights, because um, often things seem quite simplistic on the surface. Actually, there's such a wealth of science and research and knowledge that underpins that. Then actually, um, when you're working with your provider, 
you do have to trust in that expertise and knowledge that they've got um, to a certain degree. And that doesn't mean that you just have to, you know, you don't, you can't challenge and say, okay, so why are we doing that? You know, why does it have to be that way? Because actually, if you do put a bit of challenge in, then that means that it gets explained and you understand it better, you know, but actually, certainly for us in this particular project, you know, we did have to just think, well, actually, you know, the behavioural insights team are the experts in this. Um, we're going to take their lead um, and allow us, allow them to support us and really guide us as to where we need to go for the best outcome. Um, and I think, again, that comes with forming a really good working relationship with your provider. We certainly feel by the end of this project that, you know, in terms of um, the working relationship that we've established with our provider is really, really positive and very, very um, balanced in terms of we feel like we can say things to them and say, hang on a minute, why, you know, what does this mean? And, you know, and they're very happy to, to work with us in that way. And I think through that sort of, um, you know, uh, batting forward of ideas and questions and um, and all of that, I think we've ended up with a much higher quality output on this project. Um, and, and again, I think, you know, that was um, really good aspect of having a good mix of the project team from different disciplines across the council that everybody had something slightly different to bring to that um but uh, but yeah so that would be my other um top tip really yeah and i guess yeah you've had the benefit of that in-depth academic research you know that real in-depth expert from behavioral insights team but now you've got yeah you've got your message bank there what we would encourage other councils to come and learn from you so that you you know you don't need to go through and and, and have that in-depth academic sort of rigor because actually you've got an intervention there that that your evaluation your early evaluation is showing has worked um, and you're going to do further evaluation there so we would encourage other councils to to pick up your intervention and, and try and apply it locally quickly um, obviously involving their information governance colleagues as well because you know it's been proved to work so they don't need to start from scratch and and get a supplier in they can actually pick up what you've already done and and that's why we would keep so keen at the lj to support you in this work so um so yeah that that's that they're great top tips definitely for others to take away as they try to um implement your nudge which is what we want them to do so uh, a, a final question really from me um is is what are the behaviors that you see changing because of COVID-19 in your local communities in North Yorkshire. Uh, be really interesting to understand a bit more of that from your perspective uh, and see how that will chime with, with the listeners across the country. And then how can we sustain the good behaviours, the, the things that have come out, such as, you know, the, the increase in volunteering, how can we sustain those, those good behaviours going forward? Okay, um, so in terms of um, what behaviours we have seen change. Um, I mean, I think one that springs out, which is related to our project, is that shift to agile working um, that actually was forced initially, but actually is still here. And, you know, people are getting more used to it and people are starting thinking, well, actually, you know, it, it does work well in some of these ways and actually starting to really. Um, take that on board rather than just feeling like it's something that's 
perspective. So I think that there has been a shift in mindset around people's attitudes to home working beyond, you know, the restrictions. Um, so from a staff sort of perspective, you know, there's definitely, um, you know, a shift there. Um, again, to go to the communities, I know you've mentioned that, that we do see um, a sustained um, level of volunteering and you know that community support that has lived beyond the initial lockdown um you know and it is about sustaining that um you know and in, and extending that across you know not just the covid response but actually extending that volunteering across lots of different um sectors across north yorkshire that's that's really really helpful. Thank you, Ruth, and 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 that brings us to the end, really. So thank you so much for your time, and thank you for speaking to us today, uh, speaking to us via via Teams and this sort of virtual podcast, which will be the way we'll be doing these for the foreseeable future, I'm sure. So so thank you so much for your time, um, and and listeners, really, I, I hope you've enjoyed that conversation with Ruth, and that it's inspired you to undertake your own behaviour change projects. Hope it's inspired you to to. You know, use that message bank approach that, that they've trialled so successfully in North Yorkshire and, and use it and, and take it to your own uh, communications campaigns locally in, in your own council with your own local populations. So please do visit www.local.gov.uk forward slash behavioural insights for access to more resources and case studies from councils. And we'll also, as Ruth said, there's an evaluation and a report that's taking place um, as a next step for, for the North Yorkshire project. We'll make sure that goes onto our web page as well. And please do you know, visit there for our, for our other case studies so that you can actually start to, to take this up locally and, and, and do your own projects, really. Uh, so thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.